Hello everyone, I am cold case investigator and true crime novelist Michael C. Bouchard, coming to you from the Housatonic River Valley in Derby, Connecticut. The Night Stalker podcast will be brought to you in a series of 18 different episodes examining unsolved disappearances, homicides, and other strange events throughout New England and other parts of the United States over the past few decades. What makes a person kill? Even more, what turns a person into a serial killer? What makes a person lurk in the darkness waiting for his next victim? Is it the thrill of the chase? The thrill of killing another human being? Or the thrill of never being caught? We may never know the answer to any of these questions. But I can assure you, as you sit here tonight listening to the podcast, somewhere a monster is lurking in the darkness waiting to kill their next victim. For whatever reason, we all walk on the dimly lit path of life on this planet, telling ourselves it will never happen to me, it will never happen in this town. But do we really know that? I hope you enjoy each of the episodes and feel free to email me with any questions or comments at the link at the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the third episode of the Night Stalker podcast. Episode three, this is going to be the Connecticut Colt, the Broken Cross. And the title of the book basically says it all. This is about a religious cult uh, in Connecticut called the Works. You know, we we often think of cults like Waco, Dave Koresh, and Jimmy Jones. But yet what we don't realize is how dangerous these cults and these people really are. And like usual, you're going to have to excuse me if you hear paper crunching in the back because I'm trying to go through about 200 pages of information and give or take a half hour. You know, this, this cult was run by a man named Julius Shacknow also known as Brother Julius. If you go online and put in Brother Julius, you'll find some information that uh, will definitely interest you and at the same time, hopefully it'll scare you away from thinking about getting too close to any of these, uh, these people. During the, my interviews and investigation, I was able to link eight homicides to the cult itself, uh, attempting to contact uh, or interview some of the primary cult members. They didn't want anything to do with it. As a matter of fact, most of them are still involved in the cult today. Although they say the cult doesn't exist, it, it, it does exist. And it's probably 
Probably not any smaller than it was when it started. You know, the Colt, like every other Colt, had a lot of unusual practices. Multiple wives, multiple girlfriends, swapping wives. Um, it did have a very large real estate business in the uh, 70s and the 80s. It was so big that it actually was bringing in over $2 million a year. Back in the 1940s, when Julius was in the uh, military, um, as a radio man, the vessel he was on was struck by some type of munitions. Um, in what Julius termed as a living vision, he was taken to heaven and sp spoke with God. Julius later uh, termed this occurrence as, uh, as the beginning of his um, God consciousness. Uh, one interesting thing you're going to notice, all the major players in in this cult, uh, by birth were all Jewish. Um, take that for what it's worth, but um, it is what, you know, it is what it is. You know, during my interviews and looking through a lot of the old records, you're, there were a lot of contradiction in terms, like a lot of the cases I do. Um, you know, Julius had um, studied in the uh, Bible Institute of Los Angeles before he was. Uh, he had written a uh, a self biography, which I believe was about 59 the biography i contacted the school um they were unable to find the biography however there was a 19 actually my my dates were wrong he probably wrote it in 49 because in 1950 he published under even it was published under the title hell um it was 39 page uh, it was published by uh, Julia Shacknow. However, there are no existing copies according to any of the libraries uh, I contacted. The one thing I did notice was that when you attempt to work with a church, especially a church that sells any type of uh, books, documentations, or whatever, there's a lot of information that they will not, will not give you. And my thought on that, especially with this one, was that uh, Julius's practices probably didn't coincide with what the, the church was practicing at the time, so they just pretended disappeared.
Julius made a lot of weird predictions. Um, he believed that Dover, New Jersey was a safe place from earthquakes, which he, he uh, predicted would destroy New York uh, by 1971. Uh, for some reason, he found it some type of necessity, I guess one would call it, to make a lot of predictions that um, basically they just, they were things that could never come true. Um, one of the predictions that was kind of really strange that he made was when the, when the, uh, the space sh shuttle uh, was destroyed during the launch and we lost um, several people on it. Um, he basically told people that he had destroyed it because he didn't want the, the shuttle getting too close to Jupiter because he didn't want humans talking to people on Jupiter. Now, this brings us to a kind of an interesting point. When you have your religious leader, say you're a member of a cult, um, saying things like that, it may just be a red flag that maybe the elevator isn't going all the way up to the top and maybe one should reconsider their course of action. But believe it or not, hundreds of people didn't. Uh, I don't know how much clearer you would make it that, hey, maybe the guy's nuts, but people just, I guess, don't get it sometimes. Julius had made one statement, which was kind of interesting. He said he spoke with God and asked him, am I your son? And his response to that was, uh, God said to him that there was never another son. So I guess in terms that means he told he told Julius that yes, that's who you are. And in case I forgot to mention it, um, the cult's name was The Work. And like I said, if you go online and just put in uh, Julius Schachnow or Brother uh, Julius, you're going to find a lot of information. Hopefully, information that will scare you away from things like this these cults and all this type of uh, uh, craziness. You know, when Julius came into Connecticut, he uh, came into a small suburban community, uh, Trumbull, Connecticut, to preach at an outside revival. Now, a lot of people would say, well, why did Julius come to Trumbull, Connecticut? What, what was in Trumbull, Connecticut in the 1960s besides Woods? Uh, Julius was a opportunist and probably came to visit relatives uh, who at that time resi resided uh, in Trumbull on Wrangley Road, or Wrangley Drive. So everything he did was basically premeditated. Prior to coming to Connecticut, and I, and I honestly believe in my opinion, maybe not anybody else's, but Julius came to Connecticut 
because what had happened was Julie's had a next door neighbor in in Dover. The next door neighbor wasn't very fond of Julius. Um, Julius often told him that he would burn in the fires of hell. And lo and behold, <clears throat> In 1970, the next door neighbor's house burnt down, uh, killing seven children. Uh, Julius was a, a prime person of interest in the case. However, he was never arrested. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, I mean, let's let's say you're, you're gonna, you know, Julius, you're gonna burn in the fire of hell, and your your house catches on fire. That may be a red flag that something. Something uh, might have happened. Now, Julius claimed that the reason he considered himself the sinful Messiah was that because he was the Messiah, that he didn't know what what sin was, so he had to commit sin to know what sin was. Well, in general, that kind of doesn't coincide with anything that's in any biblical literature that I've ever that I've ever read um, and then there was the unexplained death of Minnie Sweetman who was at the time Julius's wife who he had swapped with a, they had sw- he had swapped wife, wives with Paul Sweetman now, at the time of the fire, many lived in the um, the apartment on Park Park Avenue with him. Within a month later, he she moved out of the apartment, and lo and behold, while Julius was at the house, while hanging curtains, she accidentally fell and, and died of blunt trauma. Well, let me see, seven children. One spouse with knowledge of the of a, this, uh, a fire, and now we have eight eight deceased people. That may also raise a few red flags. I mean, it did, it did with me. It was kind of interesting. Um, Minnie Sweetman's parents. Uh, despised uh, both uh, Julius Shacknow and his uh, assistant apostle, which he called him, Paul Sweetman. Um, When the family went to the funeral uh, home for the wake, the director told told me his father, I'm sorry, but Paul is paying for the funeral and doesn't want you there. Well, I don't know about you, but in my book, that would that would definitely turn into ass whooping 101. The world of science fiction I have in here. Um, Julius had this really weird thing about uh, his predictions and the way he ran his cult. Uh, he borrowed a lot of. Um, 
ideas for his sermons uh, from the book uh, Helter Skelter, The Exorcist, and Star Trek. It was interesting because in a later interview with uh, Alan Cohen, uh, Brother Julius uh, claimed he inspired uh, Hollywood to create the movie Oh God and um, also the movie, uh, I believe it was Hair. Kind of interesting, but, you know. Oh, oh, actually, no. It was uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, which came out in 1970. That's what he said. He, uh, I, I just, I'm just looking here. Uh, his daughter recall when the, the space shuttle, the Challenger, exploded in, in 1986. Her father told her the cult, the cult members working at his Century 21 and J.N. Um, North real estate business. He was responsible for the disaster because he did not want cult members on Earth meddling with his cult members on Jupiter. Okay, that's um, yeah, that's kind of interesting too. Um, like I said, I'm just doing a kind of a quick scan of the book. Uh, you know, there I can't fit 200 pages in there. Uh, in 1972. The cult owned a business um, called Tampco, and Tampco actually published um, albums, uh, booklets, and once again, um, none of these books are easily found. I mean. Uh, I did look for, at a place that was uh, for, for this original book I was telling you about, about his biography. Uh, and I looked at it, it was a it's Scripture Research and Publishing Company located in New Britain, uh, Connecticut. And the book was the uh, Declaration of the Second Work of the Messiah, the Son of Man. Um, I had originally read a book that he had written and I and the book was called Walk With Me in uh, Modern English and, and I actually picked up a copy of it on eBay um, and I'm glad I didn't pay a lot of money for it because basically what it was it was a reiteration of the uh, the Bible just Julius put his name in it uh, after about four or five pages I got so so just sick of it I threw it right in the, right in the nearest garbage can I could find and that, that was the end of my my uh, my basically reading it uh, the, tr the, the cult itself because of uh, bad financial practices basically they are robbers stealers and cheats um, they would they would employ in their five real estate businesses or construction company and some other stuff they would hire cult members to work at uh, minimum wage and then what they would do is they would give them layoff notices so the state would pay them uh, um, unemployment checks while they went back to work for the businesses that they, they came from. Um, 
there were a couple. There was one case where um, the cult actually attempted to get a loan for about uh, four hundred and two thousand dollars from the National Bank, and uh, all of the paperwork was found to be fraudulent. Uh, and you know, here we go. This is what this is what's running the cult. Um, you know, people like this. Um, now the next next interesting entry is the murder of Paul Sweetman, who was um, Paul Sweetman was the um, brother of Joyce's uh, business advisor. Um, somewhat of a religious uh, advisor. <clears throat> Back in 2015, a, a leg bone was uh, dug up by an animal on uh, uh, a golf course, and I believe that golf course was uh, in New Britain. It was a shuttle metal golf course in the Britain, Connecticut. Now, Paul Sweetman had disappeared, uh, give or take 2014, or about that area time, time frame. And according to the cult members and his wife, another one that when I request an interview, uh, didn't want to talk to me because she was afraid she would actually have to tell the truth and all good Christians tell the truth, right? Well, basically the, the leg that was uh, dug up was actually uh, part of uh, Paul Sweetman. And eventually down the road, in, in the book I have the arrest warrants for uh, Rudy, uh, Rudy Hannon and um, and the second person was uh, I'm trying to find his, his name because it's kind of an oddball name but what a lot of people didn't realize these two people were actually uh, Sork Minery now Sork Minery was uh, in a relationship with, uh, or Rudy Hannah uh, was in a relationship with uh, Sorek's mother, stepmother. Even to go farther than this, Rudy Hannon was actually the illegitimate son of Julia Shack. Now that nobody seems to know about, I found out by going through some documents and I actually stumbled across and it was like a holy crap minute because the police department doesn't know that I didn't find it necessary to tell them um, but it was interesting in July of uh, 2018 uh, it was on WPLR and we were going back and forth about the case and I hit the old switch the old shit switch list on, on some of these uh, radar and um, within within a week uh, both uh, Rudy Hannon and uh, Sorek Minery were arrested for um, 
Plus Wheatman's uh, homicide. And there, it, I believe there was a third person that is still a person of interest in the case. I know who he is. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's another beaut. Um, in 2000. And six, there, there was some some agreement that the FBI had made under the proffer proffer agreement with um, Hannon because Hannon was always in trouble. I mean, you know, uh, that he provided information, but they would not. Re, uh, and he provided information about um, Paul Sweetman's homicide, but under the agreement, the FBI. Uh, would not prosecute him for that. However, I don't understand why it took almost eight years for the FBI to turn the information over to the Connecticut State Police uh, or New Britain Police Department. I just, it's kind of mind boggling, but you know, what do you know? What are you going to do? Let's see. You know, even after Paul Sweetman's. Uh, I mean, not Paul Sweetman, but uh, Julius Shacknow's uh, death in 96. Um, Paul Sweetman would continuously uh, arrive at a lot of these uh, local churches and civic meetings and stuff like that and uh, he had been so wrapped up in the Lord into this cult um, he didn't refer to anything as Jesus Christ he referred to it as Julius Christ so um, you know that's and, and even today these uh, these people are all um a lot of these cult members are still brainwashed. And the first thing of brainwashing is meditation. Why is it meditation? Because when you meditate, you don't think about anything. When you don't think about anything, evil can walk just can walk right in that door. So you gotta keep that in mind when somebody wants you to meditate. Just watch out. You know, a lot of these people that were in there were deprogrammed. You'd have to read the book to see what that actually means. But um, if you're a cult, if you're if you're a cult member, you you're, you've been brainwashed because no normal person would get involved in groups where you know sexual abuse of women, children. Uh, was common practice, you know, that's not including uh, extortion, fraud, rape, um, and all the other holy stuff that goes along with uh, with being, a, you know, being a cult member, because that's what we all want to do. We all want to go to church and rape, pillage, and uh, kill, our, uh, kill our neighbor, I guess. Um, I'm just going to read you the, before I before uh, I end the podcast. I'm just going to read, read you the last uh, last paragraph uh, in the book 
and under author's notes, in retrospect, it is good to know that Brother Julius and his henchmen all fell victim to the insidious plot, and now they are all nothing more than dust in the wind. Kansas, 1977, if you remember the album. Dust in the wind, baby. What comes around goes around. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I will be doing episode four uh, probably another week. And I think what we'll be doing is probably uh, Preachers of Folklore, Fact or Fiction. You know, in today's society, we have this romantic idea of scaring ourselves. We, 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 we like to scare ourselves. We jump when something makes a bump in the, you know, in the, in the, in the dark. It's just this kind of weird thing we have with wanting to run and at the same time wanting to be, be there when something jumps out of the woods at you. Um, so what this episode four is going to be is we're going to go through creatures like Bigfoot, uh, crop circles, vampires, werewolves, paranormal, and all that kind of stuff that, that leaves us shaking in our shoes when the lights turn off. So once again, I will see you or talk to you. I won't see you, but I'll talk to you probably in about another week or so. And um, all the books that we go over uh, can be found on Amazon. Tonight was the kind of occult of Broken Cross. And like I always say during the podcast, you know, I'm just giving you kind of a, just kind of skimming over some of the information because there's just too much information in the books to go over. We'd be here for eight hours at a time. And let's face it, after 45 minutes, 45 minutes, we start to lose interest and uh, all that kind of stuff. So... But you know, it's an interesting thought when you go out there in a dark alley or you're walking on a dark sidewalk by yourself or you never know what's going to come out of the woods. You know, we think of monsters as things with ghoulish figures with hairy arms, claws, sharp teeth that lurk around in the darkness waiting for us to walk by. But... The real fact of the matter is that the most dangerous creatures of us all walk on two legs in the daylight. 